It's Thanksgiving Monday. There's turkey and beans and Brussels sprouts and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and dressing and or stuffing and or oyster stuffing and hors d'oeuvres and desserts and snacks and treats and pizza and dinner on Friday and all the snacks and dinner and meals between now and Thursday. Ugh. And you want dessert. What? Hey. I'm here for it. This isn't hard. We can do this. Sit. Don't, don't sit back. <laughs> but it's not that tough. Here we go. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, Episode 62. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Hello folks, Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. For you interested in previous episodes, they are all archived on my podcasts page, culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts. There you can also find the links to my various social media accounts, including the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that and you get my very own cooking show, so to speak. There you can find some videos related to Thanksgiving, including the Morello Cherry Cake. From the podcasts page, you can click over to my support page or type culinarylibertarian.com slash support. And there you'll see the various ways you can support the show with donations to help keep the show running. The newest addition to that page is the Anchor.fm link. Leave a voice message to me with Anchor, or you can schedule a monthly donation. You can also use the Patreon, Bitcoin, or PayPal links also to help keep the lights on. The other way you can support the show is with a few clicks of the mouse by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcatcher. As this is the last Monday before Cyber Monday, I want to tell you about my Black Friday Cyber Monday page with deals from Liberty Classroom, California Wine Club, Savory Spice, Amazon, and others. Each vendor does have specific dates and sales, so check with that vendor's page. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com slash Friday to see the page and find your deals. It's another solo episode today. Today it's getting ready for Thanksgiving desserts and some baking. Of course, stress can be a prominent uninvited guest and managing that nuisance is hard enough without adding desserts to the list. I think I can help you with that, so there can be great desserts and rolls, and not so much with the stress. It is, as they say, crunch time. Thanksgiving is this week as of this recording, and prep at least needs to be considered if not actually started. I've mentioned before how desserts mostly don't get better sitting around. Of course, that is so, but some do fare better than others. Ice cream, if that's on your list, is fine a few days out if you can keep it. Cakes are okay a day or two ahead, especially if stored in one of those snazzy 
snap top containers. Cookies are okay, and puddings or sweetbreads or muffins can be made at least a day ahead. Cheesecake is almost a must a day or two ahead, especially if you add a sour cream topper like I do. But pies and tarts can be a challenge. Pecan pie is fine a day or two out, but pumpkin pie and apple pie are just better when made and eaten the same day. Why all this focus on desserts? Well, it is, frankly, one of a baker's most favorite times of the year. There are so many things to make, and I suspect the baked things are a bigger challenge for the scary and unknown. Let me start at the beginning, as Vizzini would say. Despite how tempting commercial pie doughs or puff pastry dough can appear, they are almost always more angst than they are worth, for they cause more frustration than they fix. And sure shooting, they'll shrink when you don't want them to, and then what do you do? I'll add the link to the Thanksgiving recipes to today's show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 62, as well as embed the video I've made of making pie dough. It really is simple if you follow the directions, but <laughs> it's like no advice for life. But make it on Tuesday or Wednesday, which is tomorrow or the next day. Uh, do this for sanity. The word of the week is science, as in Jesse Pinkman, yeah, Mr. White, science. You can add the follow-up word in your head. Baking is science, and as Walt was fond of saying, you must respect the science. So a word or two about custards. Pudding is a custard, and that's easy to see. Pumpkin pie is a custard, and technically, so is pecan pie filling. What might be less plain is a cheesecake is also a custard. As such, cheesecake follows some of the same rules for custard baking that lower temperatures are better than higher temperatures, and that's entirely because of how eggs respond to heat. My favorite Thanksgiving cheesecake is pumpkin cheesecake. I like pumpkin. To a person, they who have balked that cheesecakes are too heavy or too yuck or some other objection have made at least the singular exception that my pumpkin cheesecake is superior in all ways to the expectation they had of cheesecake. Now, cheesecakes, at least the kind most restaurants sell, are best as doorstops. They are simply horrible. As in, I'll take all things to avoid for a thousand, please, Alex. Terrible. That's just how bad they are, for they are too dense and too sweet and flavorless and have no nuance or grace. This cheesecake has flavor, is a little less sweet than the doorstops, and, you know, has pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Pumpkin, not for everybody. Okay, fine. If that's you and you want a cheesecake, email me. And I'll send you my recipe for white chocolate cheesecake, which will make you the hero. Another custard which is popular, at least in Florida, for Thanksgiving is the key lime pie. Quite tasty, and yes, there's a recipe on the blog. 
Pies are perfect fall treats for sweet harvest fruits in a flaky shell with whipped cream or ice cream. Really, what's not to love? But here we have some different science. All fruit pies need to cool before you cut them. This is in part that the caramel is still very hot and will run out just like the juice from that cut too soon turkey and then you've got no good pie. So wait a couple of hours. Yeah, I know it's hard, but blueberry pie brings another wrinkle. Blueberries, while not officially in season, are popular pies. They have a lot of pectin, which turns to liquid when it's hot. It needs to cool to room temperature, then it will firm, it, it responds with the sugar and it will firm up. And then you've got a nice blueberry pie that holds its shape and doesn't just ooze everywhere because then that's just, that's, that's not happiness. Blueberry pies really do require full-on room temperature or maybe even a bit of a chill from the front porch just to get fully cool so they can set. Now, I find a refrigerated slice of pie much less appealing than a slice from the same pie left out covered, of course. The cooling of the crust changes it in a way that cannot be returned by heating it in the oven. And for goodness sakes, please, don't put baked goods in the microwave. Bread gods will frown on you. And that is, a, <laughs> that is a fate you do not want. Now, I just mentioned eating a pie that's been left out. Let me be plain about food being left out overnight. Apple pie is, in my opinion, fine. Pumpkin pie, not fine. I would and have left pecan pie out overnight, but of course not key lime pie. Food safety is an important issue, but pie dough sanctity is also an important issue. Let's talk about cakes a bit. I did uh, an episode about the procedure of cakes, episode 44, which gets into a lot of the, uh, well, mise en place and organization and thinking through the steps so that your cake is as perfect as it can be. But we have a few other things to talk about. Layer cakes are, of course, amazing to behold and are easier to make than they appear. All the fancy decorations or fondant can make the easy a bit more challenging. And on a Thanksgiving weekend, that might be something we want to avoid. Chocolate tea cake is one of my all-time favorites. I've talked about it a lot, and it has a great chocolate flavor. It's moist. Yes, I said it. And it's easy to make. And easy to make is a real big plus on a high food weekend. Either with a Swiss buttercream, which is easy, or a cream cheese icing, also easy. And that is the perfect accompaniment for that nice chocolate cake. There is, as I've mentioned at the beginning, a recipe for the Morello cherry cake which is a single layer cake. Uh, it can be glazed with a simple powdered sugar hot water glaze or just dusted with powdered sugar. 
There is also a version for gluten-free folks, which was shared by my friend Jamie, who has been kind enough to substitute gluten-free ingredients for my gluten-heavy ingredients. And she did a version uh, baked in a bun pan, which came out oh, so beautiful. So uh, there's lots of ways to go with single-layer kinds of cakes, like the morel cake. A bun pan is fine. It makes a really pretty presentation. And you can really incorporate a lot of different kinds of glazes in the powdered sugar-style glazes. Uh, and they're really the kinds of things you would use to glaze a simple yeast donut, or uh, you could glaze muffins, you could glaze uh, pound cakes. Uh, it's fundamentally, it's, it's simplest is powdered sugar and a little bit. So let's say you have a cup of powdered sugar, maybe a teaspoon and a half of hot water. Now, cold water will do. What happens with the hot water versus the cold water is the amount of shine you get when the glaze sits. Doesn't really change anything else, but it does, it does contribute to how the final product looks. But for that cup of sugar, the, the, the weeest amount of water possible to turn it into a glaze. Now, depending on your wants and your needs, a few drops more will make a big, big difference. So don't go crazy and add, oh, I need more, <laughs> more in the, in the most minimalist terms. So say you're making that morella cherry cake, you're going to have some juice left over. Well, heat the juice up and use the cherry juice as your liquid in the powdered sugar for the glaze. So it's going to be a little bit pink, but you know, who cares? It's going to have a slight cherry flavor, which is a compliment to your cherry cake. You can add either uh, a few drops, a few drops, let's say, uh, depending on your preferences, but this is we're talking just you know, pure on sugar, either a little bit of honey or a little bit of maple syrup or a little bit of corn syrup something in the glucose looking kind of um variety which is you know the 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 thick pouring syrupy sugar uh to add a little bit of well flavor in the case of either the honey the maple syrup or the cherry juice but that's not the syrup and it does alter not in ways that your mouth can really notice, but it does alter how it coats and how it hangs on to the finished baked good. Uh, these, these are things that you can do for, for, for nuance, but really powdered sugar and hot water, uh, is really all that you really need, but play with it. You know, this is, there isn't a wrong here. The, the, the real wrong is adding too much liquid to the powdered sugar, and in which case you're probably better off starting all over again, but, a little at a time. That's the key. Uh, so let's get back to pumpkin thing for a minute. Download my muffins e-cookbook and bake the pumpkin muffins as a loaf. Now, pumpkin uh, or muffins are in the category of quick breads. Um, part of the reason they're called quick breads isn't, <laughs> well, part of it is because they're, they're easy and quick to make, but also that they respond quickly to the heat as opposed to say yeast leavened breads which everything about them is longer so quick breads either in muffin form or in a uh, loaf pan form which because it's in a loaf pan there's more stuff uh, 
So more stuff is going to take longer to bake. So the heat gets to the middle uh, and you may want to, depending on how much sugar and stuff is in there and your oven, you may want to lower the temperature of the oven uh, up to 25 degrees so that the outside which is almost immediately exposed to the high temperature doesn't get too brown although frankly i like too brown i like the 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 contrasts of almost caramelized uh, outside of the bread with the very tender sweet flaky inside uh, i like that contrast that's not for everybody and that's just that's the thing you need to figure out for yourself but uh bake the loaf and then you can glaze that uh, it also makes a really nice presentation. Now, I do have a loaf pan which has which has all kinds of uh, fall stuff. It's not carved into it because it was poured into a mold. So if you bake the pumpkin loaf or the lemon poppy seed loaf or zucchini loaf and tip it out, it has like uh, like pumpkin and squash and gourds and corn and it's like this really pretty um, relief of a harvest scene in the baked good and so you either glaze that or powder sugar that it's just it's a it's an aesthetic that's nice for the holidays it's a pretty centerpiece if you're one of the things you can put although when you bake your um if you bake the um relief scene then the bottom is the top but if you're baking muffins i'm a big fan of streusel on top of the muffins because it adds uh well you can add flavor you can add contrast but really you're getting crunch which is a really nice thing to get when you're having something that's pretty much a soft thing to have since we're in the kitchen since we're baking and we talked about quick breads thanksgiving is as far as i'm concerned incomplete without bread and or rolls Dinner rolls are like little sandwiches of butter and salt and turkey breast and cranberry, and they make just a perfect little Thanksgiving feast there with all the good stuff there. Uh, crusty bread, like the no-need bread, is a brilliant centerpiece. It looks really nice. It smells good, and there's a satisfying, just emotional, like a big, big hug inside from the sound of a crunchy bread getting cut. <laughs> Everyone loves the sound of a crunchy bread getting cut. It sounds great. Folks, it is considered poor form to discuss politics at the dinner table. Some feel there is no better place to bring up the seemingly endless war in Afghanistan while asking Aunt Jean, please pass the gravy. If talking politics is the nuclear option at your table, well, then... Don't talk politics. Read about it. Subscribe to the quarterly magazine, The Bastion, formerly the Austro-Libertarian magazine, and get either the real magazine delivered to your mailbox or the digital version delivered to your email inbox. Bastion covers issues in deep detail, exploring various aspects of issues, all from a liberty perspective. You might be surprised just how difficult tradition is to iron out from a liberty point of view. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com slash magazine to see the subscription offers offered from Bastion Magazine. 
Pastor Magazine is important content about important issues that will engage you. Click over to culinarylibertarian.com slash magazine and subscribe today. And it makes an excellent gift. Now, back to the baking. Uh, rolls. Rolls should be baked on Thursday, but you can make the dough the day ahead. So Thursdays, Thursdays, Thursdays are rough days in managing the oven. So uh, if you have to, on Thursday, take your pre-made dough out of the fridge early in the morning. Let it rest for an hour or so to let the chill come off it a little bit. Then shape them into rolls. Generally, um, I think a two-ounce dinner roll is about as big as you want to get. Uh, partly because they get to be a little bit too large for dinner rolls. They look like, like mini bread loaves. There's nothing wrong with that. But the other problem I find is that they don't necessarily ferment and proof nicely, so they're a little bit too dense. And for a, there's nothing wrong with a dense bread. For a dinner roll, I would prefer a slightly lighter texture crumb inside. So if you've got a digital scale, so 28 ounces is, 28 grams is an ounce. So shoot for, um, well, we made 50 ounce rolls in New Jersey and those were nice. Uh, no, no, 50 gram rolls in Jersey and that was a nice size roll. Uh, it's just shy of two ounces, but it's a good size. It's, it gives you the right size piece to go on the plate. The crumb inside is nice. It's got a good ratio of crust to crumb. It's a good, it's a good size. Uh, shoot for like ounce and a quarter, ounce and, or ounce and a half, ounce and three quarters, 50 grams. You're, you're in the ballpark. Uh, this is not a football reference. Go Lions. The no-knead bread is the easiest thing to manage, partly because we had this oven space problem on Thursday and also a counter space problem on Thursday. You can make that dough on Tuesday, bake it on Wednesday, and reheat it on Thursday to really firm up that uh, crisp up and firm up that crust. Um, if you are up early, you can bake your no-knead bread in the Dutch oven early before you put the turkey in. Uh, if you're at the mixer, also on even as early as Sunday or Monday, well, Sunday's late because that was yesterday, you can mix the pizza dough for Friday post-Thanksgiving pizza. Now, why would you mix a pizza dough so early for something so far away? The pizza dough, as it sits, is going to start to turn sour. So that's actually a good thing because it's going to develop some flavor since we're baking this Thanksgiving pizza in a sheet pan, not on a peel. You can't, you can't, can't bake this on a stone. It needs to be in a pan because there's a massive amount of stuff. And gravity and inertia and the laws of physics are going to play against you and you're going to decorate the bottom of your oven with all of your pizza toppings. And that's not happiness. So a, a couple of days in the refrigerator will give the yeast a chance to act on the dough and the enzymes a chance to grow and build a small amount of sourness, but really a little bit of flavor. The other thing that's nice is as the dough rests for a couple of days and the gluten starts to go away a little bit because of all of the chemical stuff's going on, and Peter Reinhardt and I talked about that a few episodes, 
few episodes ago, the texture of the dough, the crumb, the finished uh, crumb of the pizza is better. And come on, it's better. So what's wrong with better? So I know this doesn't sound like a lot of help, but part of it is really it's all down to planning. It's all down to just the, the mental mise en place, the physical mise en place, organizing the days, thinking about what's got to get done. Now, there's nothing to say that some desserts that maybe aren't traditional Thanksgiving desserts can't wait until baking on Friday. Who wants to cook on Friday? Well, some of you do. I do. But, you know, it's it's okay. There's this this isn't this isn't a mandate. This isn't rules. There, you know, just, these are ideas. Organizing, planning, getting some structure, thinking about that pie coming out, the pumpkin pie, the apple pie. If you're eating it at six, have it come out of the oven at two. Should be more than enough time. Now, a word about whipped cream. If you absolutely must get the stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't know if kids, they were whippets. I don't know what they call them now. I don't even know if kids do that. Kids, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing at all. Don't, don't just move along. There's uh, a nice little ratio to go for making your own whipped cream, and it really isn't difficult. It's, it's, it's makes a little bit of muscle work, but it's very simple for a pint of heavy cream. And if you can find. Uh, the kind that says for heavy cream, that's the better one. The why it's better is if they still sell the thing called coffee cream, that might be half and half. Uh, half and half is somewhere in the 14 to 18% butterfat range. Uh, coffee cream might be a little bit higher, but it's not enough fat in it to make a really nice, luxurious whipped cream. Uh, the luxuriousness from whipped cream comes from a higher fat content. So more butter fat is better whipped cream. 36 is generally 36% is what most of it is. But if you can find one that says heavy, then that's going to be about 38. And, you know, we'll keep the Breaking Bad thing going on. And Gail made the point to Gus. Those 3%, in our case, 2% is a big deal. So that 2% extra of butterfat is going to make a really velvety, brilliant, satisfying whipped cream. But here's the thing about whipped cream. And on all those cooking shows, well, most of them anyway, the whipped cream is whipped with the speed of a motorboat engine. And the faster we can get there, the better we are. And that's actually not true. This is counterintuitive that if you go a little slower, let those butter molecules become friends with a slightly less speed. Now, I'm not saying take an hour, but where it would take you 30 seconds, take a minute and a half. Um, about a third of the way through whipping. How do I know? Because it's not done. When it starts to increase in volume, say your two cups of heavy cream at the bottom of the bowl, now it starts to look like maybe three. Add one ounce of granulated sugar, not powdered sugar because it has cornstarch and that's yuck, uh, of granulated sugar to your whipped cream. After that first uh, creation of volume, and then slowly in big sort of balloon uh, balloon whisk. So big, just complete rotations, whisking that cream, letting air get into that. Cause what's happening is the air butter molecules are 
finding each other, becoming friends. Hi, Frank, how are you? And they're grabbing the air molecules and enclosing them. And as they do that, the butter molecules get spread a little bit thinner and thinner and thinner and hold more and more air, and that's where the volume comes from. And as you start to see it get really thick and it holds a peak, stop. And whipped cream will do, is very predictable, that if you over whip it, all of the butter molecules that have been holding and hugging themselves and all the air will say, I've had enough of this. This is too much work. And they will let go of the air. But in the process of doing that, they will let go of the so if the butter, if it's say it's 40% butter fat, well, 60% not fat, that's mostly we'll call it water because basically we have oil and water. And now you have made, <laughs> you made butter. Don't do that because there's no going back. You may as well finish the job, put them on the pancakes on Saturday, but nice and slow, perfect whipped cream. Start with a cold bowl, start with a cold whisk and keep it in the refrigerator. Uh, and then, you know, everyone's going to eat it up because it's going to be amazing. Um, if you are a cheese kind of person, just, you know, this is one of those food setting out things. Cheeses like to be room temperature-ish. Not 80 degrees, but they don't mind a good 40, 50, 60 degrees because the flavor, and there's a lot of, you know, so if you're getting store brand cheddar cheese we're not talking about nuance here there's no nuance to have if you're getting a really brilliant um artisanal anything cheese uh and by the way rogue creamery here in oregon just won the world championship in blue cheeses now that's pretty stinking cool and i've had their blue cheese and it is so amazing i'm really excited that something something boastful there's a lot of boastful food wise in oregon blue cheese and hazelnuts and lots and lots of beer but that's a cool thing so find a nice artisanal blue cheese or get some you know, blues are tough they're they're not, they're not tough they're potent they're powerful there's a lot of cheese mangas online. There's an affiliate of mine on the Black Friday page, De Bruna Brothers. Lots of cheese options um, with different flavored or just plain cashews, almonds, pecans, hazelnuts. You can get um, different honeys. There's a lot of things to do with a cheese tray with some nice fruits or to go with the pie. There's just a lot of ways to make a fun evening having a centerpiece. So when you're playing Cards Against Humanity and MF Wizards and Michelle Obama's Arms and have some cheese. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think her arms are that great either, but you know, that's an opinion. I hope you have a fabulous, spectacular, and amazing Thanksgiving dinner, feast, and some civility in your post-Thanksgiving uh, recreation. Uh, if you end up playing Cards Against Humanity, may your answers always win, no matter how gross they are. And if you play, you know what that threshold is, and may no offenses be had. Those games can be bawdy. Please do remember to subscribe to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.
music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.